Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Friday, March the 25th. Our reading this morning comes to us by book of the prophet Hosea, chapter 14, verses 2 through 10. The prophet Hosea, chapter 14, verses 2 through 10. One of the uh, standard practices that we engage in during the holy season of Lent is that of, quote-unquote, going to confession. And we tend to think of confession as a singular act, but actually confession is really a process. It's a process really over the whole of our life, and it's a very important one. Confession involves various stages, not only in the sacrament itself, but also in the whole of our life and our relationship with God and also with others. We have spoken about confession over the years, especially in recent time, as confession, the sacrament of penance, the sacrament of reconciliation, etc., And so these name changes have uh, been used, uh, well, interchangeably. Rather than seeing it as a process. And the first and most important step is that of confession. The acknowledgement that we have done wrong. That we have offended. We know it's true in the ordinary daily interactions of our life. There are times in which we must say to another, and certainly to those whom we love, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I offended you. I'm sorry I said that, did that, or I failed to do something that I had promised to do that was important to you and was for your well-being. And so confession is a truthful acknowledgement that we have offended that we have done something wrong. The prophet Hosea, speaking on behalf of God, says to the people, you have collapsed through your guilt. And the idea of guilt has uh, received a bad name ever since uh, Freud got a hold of it because you're not supposed to feel guilty. Well, the absence of guilt is not a sign of maturity and health, uh, it can be a sign of a great deficiency. There are many people who do wrong and they never feel guilty. There's an absence of conscience. That's a pathology. It's called sociopathology. Uh, It's an absence of a conscience. A conscience is a very good thing. It's like pain, the pains of conscience. That's a good thing because it reminds us that we live with others and for others. And when we have offended, when we have wronged someone, uh, guilt is a sign, as pretty much pain is, that something is wrong, that something needs to be healed and made correct. And so today we are often told to just It's irrational. Just dismiss your guilt. Yes, there is irrational guilt. 
uh, someone commits an accident. I'm bringing in a set of glasses, and uh, I turn and I and I knock something over, or they fall off the tray, or whatever. Oh, I feel so bad. Well, okay, you feel bad over that. We understand that, an embarrassment, etc. But the person didn't do it on purpose. But yet we can carry that around with us. Or we feel guilty for something that someone else did, or something that happened years and years and years ago. We've tried to make amends for it, but the guilt lingers on. Well, again, there is an irrational and destructive aspect to guilt. But there's also a healthy guilt. Again, it's a guilt from a recognition. It's a warning signal. It's a sign that we have to have a healing. We have to have a reconciliation. And so confession is our relationship with God in which we honestly go before God and we acknowledge all the wrongs we have done. Not to be condemned, uh, not to be cast out, but we go in order to be healed. We go in order to be reconciled. But it's not enough simply to confess our guilt. We have to also uh, make restitution. There is a penance involved. We have to restore as best we can. Uh, the person, or Almighty God, that we have offended. So we make a restitution. We make a, we restore, to restore, to make whole again. Again, within reason and as much as possible. There are some things that we can't restore, and so we try as best we can to learn from the mistake, to move on, to learn from the sin, as we all do in our everyday lives. And that's why the prophet also says, take your words with you and return to the Lord. It's more than words. It's also actions. It's also actions. And I think that that's important, that we also make a firm resolution with grace and with our will not to commit that sin again, not to wrong that person again. If we keep doing the same thing over and over, we have to begin to ask whether or not we're truly sorry. If I offend you repeatedly in the same way, followed by, I'm sorry, then at some point we probably are going to ask, well, are you really sorry? We may ask ourselves, am I really contrite? Have I really expressed a genuine sorrow for that particular sin or that particular offense? And the prophet says, return to the Lord and ask him to forgive all iniquity. Receive what is good uh, as an offering. Receive what is good as an offering. And what God is asking of us is the offering of a genuine sorrow, a genuine contrition in which we do penance. We make a restitution with a firm amendment not not to commit that sin again. And then we experience the peace of reconciliation. We know how it is when 
on a human level. We offend someone. We ask, we confess our sins. Uh, that apology, a genuine apology, a sincere contrition. We try to make restitution as best we can. And we make a firm amendment to that person. I will never do that again. And the person says, I forgive you. Let's just move on. Because what we have is stronger than this particular episode. We don't become enslaved to the past with irrational guilt or with the guilt that somehow can't be forgiven. And the prophet goes on and he says, and the Lord says, I will heal your defection. I will love you freely, for my wrath is turned away from you. You will be like the dew. You shall blossom like the lily. You shall put forth your fruits and your shoots, and the splendor will be like a fragrant tree. That's a beautiful little imagery, isn't it? We, we, we know how that feels when that, when that forgiveness is extended to us, when true, true acceptance of us is restored. There's a feeling of peace. It's like a weight is lifted off of our shoulders. That bone that's stuck in the throat is somehow expelled. And we're able to somehow uh, live restored, restoration, uh, firm amendment and restoration. We, we know that process on a human level. And so it is with God. I will heal their defections, the Lord says. Uh, and I think that that's very, very important. And he says at the end, you will be like a verdant cypress tree. Uh, you will bear fruit, and you will be my fruit. In other words, you will now carry on that reconciliation. That is, as the Lord has forgiven us, so we are called to forgive one another. But it begins with that vertical relationship with Almighty God. So we can't think of confession as simply a call wash. We go in there, we get all lathered up, the machine goes all around us, washes off all the dirt and the grime, and off we go onto the road. And once again, we're back again with the same car wash, same process, back again, back again, and back again. Uh, it is the idea of maintenance. We try to maintain it so that the car doesn't get quite as dirty or hopefully we can keep it clean. The same is true in our relationship with Almighty God and with others. We don't go through a car wash. We go through an internal purification, a change of heart, a change of mind, of attitude, of disposition. And when we truly confess, repent of our sins, when we truly make restitution with a firm amendment not to, not to commit that offense again. Then we stand before God and before others, reconciled, healed, and then we know the true peace of a true confession.
we are restored. We are once again in union with God and with those we love here on earth. God bless you.